You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. exciting news. I built an app. I know, right? Crazy. It's called the one-on-one app where we help you become 1% better together. It's an app that helps you break down your goals, achieving your habits and incremental steps. And it helps you celebrate your progress and your momentum with streaks, check-ins, milestones. And with our multi-dimensional approach to a balanced lifestyle, we really help you become 1% better together. So go download it. It's a free app. It'll be linked below. It's only for iOS right now. We're working on getting it in Google Play. But I really believe that this is a -a one-of-a-kind mental health and wellness app that is truly groundbreaking. To give you some like perspective, it's like Noom, but for habit building. And I'm really excited to share this with you. And I'm really excited to get your feedback. So if you download it, you enjoy it, leave us a review. Thank you so much. And on to the episode. Named one of the top 23 entrepreneurs of 2023 by New York Weekly, April Spritz is a business accelerator and leading sales expert helping entrepreneurs and companies make huge increases in revenue while working less. After more than 20 years in multiple industries solving problems, driving growth, and accelerating companies, April left corporate America after her highest seven-figure earning year to form her own firm and expand her impact. Now having generated over $1.2 billion in direct revenue using the principles of the generosity culture, April has helped entrepreneurs go from no revenue to closing 100K deals week after week. And aside from being a business expert, April is one of the brightest people I've had the honors of interviewing and has a ton of value to offer us, not only in business, but in our own life. Now on to the episode. Hey, April, thanks for coming on. Oh, it is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You know, you're one of those people, when I met you, I felt like we had known each other for years. It was just like we were seeing eye to eye, talking not only about just the trial and tribulations of scaling a business, but really just being human. So I'm really excited for this conversation because it's like talking to a lifelong friend and I'm actually really happy to call you a friend now. So I'm happy to dive in here. Oh, I love that. And I love meeting people like that because it's exciting because I feel like when you're in the entrepreneurial world, you can get the idea that no one else is like you and you're kind of, you know, just doing your own thing, heads down. So when you meet people that you really connect with like that, it can be phenomenal. Absolutely. I think the audience is getting a ton of value today. Just starting off, just tell us a little about you. Absolutely. So where do you want me to start? You want me to start like way back or today? Yeah, let's talk about what shaped you to launch Driven Outcomes. What was April before Driven Outcomes like? I know you're in the sales world. Tell us a little bit about that and, and kind of what gave you the idea to really go for it and stand in your power and start Driven Outcomes. You know, before we went on today, you talked about ADHD and I feel like my career was like that because yes. I wanted to learn anything and everything that I could learn. So it was all over the place. I was in the military doing television news and broadcasting that I went into project management, client management, sales, the software industry in a startup. And I just gathered all these disparate skills. And it's funny because a lot of times people will say, gosh, I'm just not in my dream job and I want to be in my dream job. Wait for it because this job that you're in now is going to help you in your dream job and you just don't know it yet. That really is what happened for me when I then went on to 
that startup that was very successful. I was very fortunate to be early in. They were $6 million a year in revenue when I got there. They ended up doing a $7 billion IPO. So getting in on anything like that early is, you know, I'd rather be lucky than good. I really enjoyed it. But what I realized when I was there as I was helping build out the sales team and the processes and the way that we're doing things is that it was that helping and that mentoring, really growing things that was my passion. So once things became really successful, it wasn't as fun. And I thought, okay, I feel like I want to do my own thing. Am I qualified to do my own thing? Does it matter? Can I do it anyway? Driven Outcomes was a little bit of a whim in that way because I knew I wanted to help people. I thought I'd be helping people speak and sell. And I do some of that, but that isn't what Driven Outcomes ended up being. But it was one of those things where I was like, you know, I'm just going to jump out of the plane and uh, I'm going to figure out this parachute on the way down. You know, I absolutely love that. And I really loved the part where you're talking about just wait for it. I remember I can put myself back to being an analyst at Nike or put myself back to being a solutions engineer at a similar startup that was at 3 million and taking them to 12 and eventually selling for, you know, north of 100. And I remember so many days, so many hours where I didn't want to be there, but I was doing the work anyway. I thought about all the different ways that I would approach this if I was in charge. Love that. Thank you. I had a moment today where I was sitting with my marketing manager and I like to channel kind of Khalil back when, you know, I was working really hard and we're getting into this busy season of summer. And so I love now from a leadership perspective, asking all my staff, you know, how are you feeling energetically? When's the last time you've taken a vacation? Can I do anything to support you? Am I missing something that is making your day not fun that I can help solve? Those are all the things that I wish a leader would have come to me to talk about. And I used to just write it off as like, yeah, they're busy. They're CEOs. They're COOs. Right. They don't have time We're for this. We're paying our dues. Yeah, yeah, right. We're paying our dues. But I just realized that I was more times than not behind, and excuse my French, a shitty leader. That is something that I got a ton of value from. And if I hadn't gone through those experiences, I wouldn't have that empathy and also the ability to share that vulnerability. So in your career as a leader now, what are some of those things for you that you do that maybe past leaders didn't do for you? You know, I love your story and I love the fact that you talked about having the bad leaders because I think bad leaders are a gift and they don't feel like a gift in the moment, but man, they make you better because those lessons are super hard learned. For me, I was blessed with both some really amazing leaders who I look to emulate today where I'm pouring into people and I'm really helping them. And then there were some folks that I was like, so if you just stick around long enough and you don't die and you don't quit, you can be in charge. Good to know. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> and one of the things that I took from that, because there were some times, and this is going to maybe sound a little egotistical, but candidly, it's just true. I was better qualified than the leader. And yes. I knew that. And I knew I could do a better job. But it was basically, if they don't die and they don't quit, like, it is what it is. And as a leader, I now, I would step out of the way. I would say, you're better at this than me. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to move to another area or I'm going to spend a fraction of my time doing this because you're better at it than I am. And I will get out of the way of people who are even better. They're brighter lights. They're smarter. I think one of the things that I love the most about Gen Z is that, you know, I did not have things as together as folks in Gen Z do at their age, I don't know what's different. Like their parents did a great job or they're just amazing. I don't know. I think that 
we as a generation, when I say we, millennials and I'm Gen X, I think we're a little more willing to say you're qualified regardless of what age you are. And I think that that's a superpower as a leader to not say you don't have as much experience, you don't have as much time in the seat. Yeah, you get crusty and old in the seat. Time in the seat isn't as important. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. You know, and I loved that you highlighted also good leaders. I just got off the phone with one of my favorite leaders who's now my best friend. He did exactly what you just mentioned. He numerous times would be like, you're more qualified to talk about this, so I'm going to let you lead this webinar. I'm going to let you lead this client meeting. I'm going to empower you to do these things, and I want you to shine and give credit where it's due. So good leaders are also super important, and and I want to echo that bad leaders, though, have taught me (laughs) probably 10 times more. But no, I loved the getting out of the way of people that are more talented. I think that when it comes down to it, no matter what level you're at, you're always going to question your qualifications, your ability to deliver, that's just part of kind of keeping the torch under you so you deliver. But I think the part that's not spoken about and something that I try to talk a lot about are those soft skills, those things that really, really make great leaders. So now as you look at how Driven Outcomes has just exploded, I know that a piece of that has to be that you're a great leader. But also, I just want to hear about kind of what your mission is and what differentiates you to lead these entrepreneurs and these CEOs. I already know what that is. My audience probably already knows seven minutes into this, but I'd love to hear from you. You know, I think the biggest thing is some people want to be a superstar, right? They want to be the person, the man. They want to be Michael Jordan. Not taking anything away from Michael Jordan because he was amazing. And I hope as a a Nike alum, you saw air because that was fantastic. But I want to be the person behind the people who are so successful. I, you know, I love Don King. Right. He was like the person, he may have seemed like he was out in front, but what he was doing was empowering and promoting and helping people. So the idea of seeing myself as a kingmaker, whoever you are, whatever you're doing, I'm going to see the best in you. I'm going to see what you're capable of and I'm going to see what's blocking you. And because of that and because I'm objective, I'm going to be able to help you move past that and do those things that you've thought of that secretly in the middle of the night that you won't tell anyone else that you really want to do, that you feel dumb to say out loud. I'm not only going to say, oh yeah, that's possible for you. I'm going to help you map it out and do it and do it quickly. And that is what is different because while people would classify me, I think, as a consultant or as someone who's in that industry... I'm not in this, again, to sit in the seat and get crusty. I'm in this to get you on that racetrack as fast as possible, like a pit crew, and let you go and just be this amazing person that you are with your business or whatever your goal is. And I think that that's not common. Mm, I love that. And I love Kingmaker. Since I can honestly remember in my professional career and even to this day, I had numerous interviews, almost every single one. My number one priority, North Star, is to make my leader look the best. That's right. And I would always say that, and it would be so genuine, and I would tell them this is how. And I felt the same way. I think in the recent year or two, I've stepped into, quote unquote, being that person, but I still, I think, struggle with that. Why? Well, I I think I, I always wanted to be that person behind the scenes until I was the person behind the scenes. And so I think I go back and forth. And that, I think, is more of the fight between my introvert and my extrovert. I am an extrovert, but I recharge as an introvert. So I think learning how to energetically respond has been super helpful and is actually what's pushed me to being more of the face. 
because I've kind of learned how to balance my days, my weeks. And it's not always perfect, obviously, but I've learned how to better do that, which allows me to show up energetically as the person. You know, like today I support Tori Dunlap, who's one of the biggest voices in Money for Women. And, you know, it's tough. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's great. And I get to, she's one of my best friends too. And we have a lot of long talks about being the person. And it's a lot of pressure. But what I've really come to understand is I handle that pressure really, really well. And I want to synthesize that for everyone else so that they can do it. And for me, it always starts with your ability to speak up and care for yourself and really, truly know what you want. And I heard you echo that in your answer. So when you're working with these CEOs, these entrepreneurs, what are some of those like common blockers that you run into? What are some of the things... We'll start there, but I have a lot to unpack there because I'm really curious because I know you provide a ton of value, but also a lot of peace of mind. You know, I think the thing that limits people is such a great equalizer because it doesn't matter if someone comes to me and they have a seven-figure business they want to take to eight figures or they have an eight-figure business that they want to grow internationally and then sell. It doesn't matter what someone's doing or they're starting a business, they haven't even hit six figures yet. What happens is they think, am I enough? That's always there, right? That's one of the limiters. Or they have a money cap. Most of us have developed our idea of what is possible for us financially before we're six years old, which means it came from the people surrounding us. It wasn't done in an intentional way. So how do you break through that? And then there are others of us who believe on some level, and this was a limiter for me, Khalil, that success is lonely. That the more successful you become, the less people surround you. So in each one of these, there's a grain of truth, but it's been twisted and distorted and we've come to believe something about it that really isn't the truth because our beliefs are really just thoughts that we've had over and over and over again. So how do I help them? And I can see by their behavior or by what their challenges are, what that belief must be and get in there with them and help them dissect it and help them come to the realization that they don't believe that. I don't tell you you don't believe that, right? Yeah. But we can get there. And once you decide it for yourself, then it's, okay, so now how do we change that habit? That's not our belief anymore, but we have a whole set of coping mechanisms. Our morning routine is around the idea that we think time is scarce. So how are we going to fix all this? And Mm -hmm. what's interesting is, Those sorts of things. I mean, there's a lot of strategic and tactical business things that we do, but none of those would work if we didn't first get past what people have within them that's limiting them. I think, too, a misnomer is, okay, you work through it and then that never happens again. Well, here's the thing. Every time (laughs) you try and go big again, it's going to rear its ugly head in some other way. One of the things I love to do is share with folks that are in my business accelerators and that are working with me. Oh, yeah. So like last week, I was trying to do this thing and I was just like paralyzed with fear. And they're like, you? What? Oh, yeah. Because I think whether you're a leader or you're helping entrepreneurs and companies the way that I do, when you share with people that we're all having that same struggle, it gets a lot more normalized and it's easier for people to go, oh, yeah, this is that thing she said was going to happen. Awesome. I'll work through it. Absolutely. And it's so true. And I want to double back to your example or your analogy with money. And it's so true that our money habits are formed by six. And a lot of those other soft skills or just perceptions of ourselves, it's the same. You know, I was raised by a single mother that had its own kind of 
impact. Uh, and I noticed that uh, with money, with business, there was always that question of, am I enough? And you compound that with being a black man, like the world gives you the evidence to say that, no, you're not enough. And so it's my responsibility to double down on that. And what I noticed and you alluded to is like, I set up systems to be able to help me check in and help me get over those things. However, my response to it wasn't always consistent. And that was something that I really, really had to work on was, to your point, those problems never go away. You just learn how to respond to it better. You learn what you need to do. And so, I mean, I've gone as far now, and you mentioned habits to create the one-on-one app, which is basically habit forming. It's like Noom, but for habit forming. And it's because at the end of the day, those habits are super, super important. From your vantage point, like what are some of those habits that these entrepreneur CEOs and even yourself in your own experience have potentially lacked, but now that you have that habit, life's a little easier. You sleep a little better at night. Okay, 100%, hands down, above and beyond everything else is working on your mindset. And I say to people all the time, there is nothing in my life that I've invested time and money in that has given me more ROI than mindset. Because in between your ears is determining your experience of everything, whether you win, you lose, you know, you hate life, you love life, whether you can't handle something or you can, you have control of that. And for the folks who think, oh, that's not true, you just haven't been shown how. And taking the time and making the effort, you know, people didn't even used to talk about mindset. It was positive thinking and they weren't really breaking it down and talking about the how-to of it. Taking the time to do that, that is the number one habit because it powers all the others. Because if we're always looking at life as happening for us instead of to us, then something that throws us a little sideways doesn't give us the excuse to become the victim and stop doing all the other things that we've been doing consistently that are helping us. But April, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I only have 10 years of experience. Like what qualifies me to do these things? To work on your mindset? Well, here's the thing. When you're living paycheck to paycheck, and I say this as someone who was in poverty, on food stamps, sometimes didn't have electricity, you're just almost rich. And whether or not you work on your mindset is going to determine how long the almost part lasts. Think of it as purgatory. You're going to get there. But if you change your mindset first and you work on the things that you can control so that you can be happy where you are, not accepting, not ending there, but once you feel good about where you are, your unconscious mind is now concentrating on the things that help you and make you feel good. So that means it's pointing out opportunities that you will not see if all you're thinking is I work paycheck to paycheck. Someone's going to offer you a side hustle and you're going to think, oh, that's not for me. I don't have time for that. But if you get into a place with your mindset where life is always happening for me, not to me, you're going to think, oh, I'm so glad that I was working paycheck to paycheck because someone offered me this side hustle, which became my main gig. And now I'm a millionaire. And I can't tell you how many people I know that that has happened to exactly. And it's all in how you look at it. Absolutely. And I give that preface because that's what I get all the time in the DMs, the email responses, But, 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 and it's really easy to get caught up in it. Because like I mentioned in my last example, the world will give you all the evidence to whatever you give attention to. Yes, that's scientific. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say you either are your thoughts or you're not. 100%. Full stop. Well, I think you are your thoughts no matter what. So change your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I say that example specifically because if I come in, right, and I'm someone with the thoughts of scarcity, 
you're scarce. But if I come in with the thoughts of abundance, then I can be. Or I have the thoughts of scarcity, but I'm working toward creating a thought of abundance. And it takes me back to sitting in the Nike parking lot, making $22,000 a year, working for one of the biggest corporations in the world. Before I would meditate, I would write on sticky notes what I wanted to go well that day, what wasn't going well in my life. And I did that for almost six months. I still have the stack. Oh, so good. So good. That's when my life changed. Yes. You know, and, and I hear so many stories like that. From your vantage point, we're talking about exponential growth, not only in your life, but your business. What are some of the key elements that maybe you haven't spoken about that are tantamount to your exponential growth outside of mindset? So I think something that has really helped with my growth that I was terrible at and still struggle with is being willing to ask people for help. So some of the stories that I grew up with, single parent, same thing. Am I good enough? I was a prover. It was, let me do things for you. Let me help you. Let me show you that I am worthy. And along that line of thinking is I can help, but I can't ask for help. Mm. And in that, you know, there's a lot of networking and people, contacts who would love to help you if you would just ask. And I think while I've had amazing growth and I've had really amazing people who've just offered to help me, which is that someone who can't ask for help, you are the most valuable person in their life. (laughs) But if I had done it sooner and more often, I would have grown even faster. And I have forced myself to get better at it over the past few years because you know what? It's uncomfortable, but so is that two-minute cold shower I take every day. And I know that that helps me. That would be the second thing is pushing yourself to become uncomfortable, doing things before you're ready. If I had to give you three, other than mindset, my next three would be be willing to ask for help. Be out there giving help so you don't feel weird asking for help, but be willing to ask for help. Push yourself into doing uncomfortable things and do it before you're ready because no one is ready. The people who do it when they're ready are late. Yeah, it's so true. And it's priming before you arrive and, you know, showing up before you arrive. And that's so key. I know that a huge pillar of your career is sales and continues to be. And I think when people think sales, there's always a really warped view of what a successful salesperson is. And it's all the things we're talking about. And so I know that you're working on a sales training. I know that's something you're offering. What are some of the value that you offer, not only for people to sell better in their business, But also, it sounds like we need to do a better job of selling ourselves. So kind of a two-parter there. I'm curious to kind of hear what some of the value is there, why you decided to host something like this, and what some of the value is. And I'll definitely link this below in case anyone's interested. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So for me, it's first, it's important, if folks don't know me, to understand that to me, the word sell and help is synonymous. So when I am looking to sell something to someone, I'm actually looking to help them and give them value. And then they want to give me money in exchange for that because that's all sales really is. The interesting thing is, is if you look at the root of the word sell, the old English word, it comes from the word that means to give. That's what you look to do when you sell. And for me, when I went out and was helping people with all these different things with their businesses... Everyone kept saying, wow, you should really teach people how to sell. And it was such second nature to me that I almost would forget it, Khalil. And I'd be like, why should I be talking about this? This really, I mean, (laughs) everyone knows how to do this. And it's because what comes so naturally and you're so great at, you just assume everyone else can do. What I have found over the years, whether I was working in corporate or, or working helping entrepreneurs is there is no issue in your business that can't be helped and solved with two things. Number one, asking how you can help. 
no matter where you are in the business, from the leader to the person who is the most junior, asking, how can I help can fix things? Number two is sales. Because no matter what you've got going on in your business, if you can increase the sales of that business, that can fund any other change you need to make. Do you need to pour into your people better to help them become a bench of leaders? Great. Increase your revenue, you're able to do that. Need to revolutionize your equipment, need to spend more on diversity and inclusion, whatever you need to do, if you can provide more value and get increased revenue, you have the runway to do that. So that's really where the idea came from is I was like, you know, I could do a five-day training and give it to people. And no matter where they are in their business, maybe they're not at a place where they would work with someone like me. No problem. I can get you to the next level anyway. And it'll be fun for both of us. Absolutely. And I think what's big in all of this before and after sales workshop, but just in general, business life is defining success for yourself. I find that this is an area of ambiguity for a lot of people. I've asked that question in every single interview, and I always laugh at reactions. Sometimes I get people going, I don't know, I I guess success is making this much, or I guess success is quitting my corporate job. No. What is success (laughs) to you? Success to me is happiness and impact. Mm. And it starts with happiness because if I am happy, I am better for everyone else. I show up in a different way for the rest of the world. And impact because... There's nothing that I've achieved, no thing that I have, no amount of money that I've made that comes anywhere close to the happiness it brings me to help other people accomplish their dreams. It's so true. I mean, I had that moment yesterday where, you know, I feel like we're coming out of a season of hyper growth where when you're building toward the future and trying to operate, whether that's your life or business, things can get away from you, perspective can get lost. But the reality that I've built for myself reminded me, and I had this moment of just like euphoric happiness. It's just, it's just sitting at my desk too. Like, just like, this is where I'm supposed to be in flow. And so I, I just want to double down on what you just said. I think that when I was in a more of a scarcer mindset, when I was working corporate, I defined success by promotion and my paycheck. And that's forever fleeting, forever changing. So if I'm someone that's like that, what are some things that maybe I can slowly start to unpack that definition, because I think it's really scary to think about what makes me happy or more joyous. How can I make impact? How do you start to address some of those questions that seem so big? I think that's just a great question. And I, man, I feel you on the scarcity in the corporate world. Because I will tell you, when I was in corporate and I first made seven figures, I literally remember thinking, it's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's never going to be enough. So and the enough I was looking for at that point was safety, right? Because mm. I'd grown up poor. I was like, how much money Same. do you have to have to feel safe? And not understanding that safety came from me personally. It had nothing to do with what was in my bank account or any of those things. The place to start with happiness, regardless of where you are, is truly with gratitude. It's being happy with the things that you already have. And if no one has ever explained this to you, sometimes you're going to have to hear it five or six times. I cannot tell you how many things I have heard, but the words didn't teach me. And at some point, I integrated with the information later. And I was like, oh, that's what they meant. Okay. But the idea of sometimes people are really scared to be grateful for what they have because that's not all that they want. And they're afraid if they're grateful for what they have, then they won't get the other things. And it is the exact opposite. 
because you're not being complacent. You're not saying, this is all I ever want. You're looking at it from a place of gratitude so that you're getting aligned with the things that make you happy. And again, going back to whether you believe in the law of attraction, which I 100% do, or you're just into the science of it and you're like your unconscious mind and how do you get it to help you? You show it the things about your life you love and it will find you more. And if you don't believe me, go buy a car. And the moment you do, all of a sudden it's going to seem like there are five times as many of those vehicles on the road. There aren't. But you told your unconscious mind, this is important. You focused on it. So if you focus on what you're grateful for, you will get more to be grateful for. And it happens super quickly. And what I love to recommend to people, because I'm all about the how-to. How do we apply it? How do we get results right now? You get done listening to this, and I want you to go write down three wins from yesterday. I don't care what they are. They can be big things. They can be little things. They could be the amazing coffee you had in the morning. They can be the fact that you slept in for an extra hour on Saturday, or they could be that you nailed all your workouts, you signed a deal, something big, something little. It doesn't matter. But do that every day for two weeks. That's it. You don't have to change anything else. You write those three wins down for two weeks. Your life will be different. And I can attest to that because I literally use that exact same formula. And I Love really it. appreciate you giving those actionable steps. You know, I think when I was making those that $500 a week, 2000 a month at 23, I remember being, how am I going to be grateful for this? Like, what? This doesn't, this doesn't feel like I should be grateful for this. But I had a car. I could get to work. I had a job. Right? I had food. I had a wonderful girlfriend who's now my wife who was supporting me through those times, right? And like you mentioned, life is a, is a, is a spiral staircase. So yesterday, years ago, I call it yesterday, but it was, you know, struggling to be grateful because I felt like I didn't have enough. That transformed from this hyper growth phase to feeling guilty for wanting more. But guess what? I had done that exercise already and I knew I need to be grateful for where I'm at today to get to that next level. And also just addressing why I felt that way. Because old Khalil would have just been like, ah, it'll pass, but it keeps coming back around and your subconscious is running that race constantly. So I wanted to really, really highlight that because it's so true. And something else you said, which, man, I repeat it again, but safety for yourself, like... Wow. Like that is another exercise. Like if you're looking for that safety, that reassurance, that validation, you have to give it. It is crazy yes. how much the universe mirrors us. Whether we say it out loud or we hold it in, the universe has a way of mirroring us 100%. So between those two tidbits, that is literally what changed my life and changed your life. So I want to just super co-sign that because if you're feeling Love stuck, it. if you're feeling down and out, that's the way to go. 100%. And the thing is, is I think it's important to know that the people who you may on the outside looking in think, wow, they're really successful. For me, it was always super helpful to understand that they had struggled with the very thing I was struggling with. Okay, great. So you've done it, then it's possible. And the more people I saw who had been through that and who were kind enough to share it, the more I thought, okay, this is possible. And this is possible for a multitude of people. Now it's how quickly can I get there? What are the things that I can focus on? And you asked me the question early on about consistency. And one of the things that I thought a lot about when I was younger is which was more important, consistency or just making huge strides. And candidly, I'm one of those people, like I want to do the whole thing. Like if we're going to paint the house, I want to paint the whole <laughs> house. Thing, right? yeah. No. Yeah, you know? yeah. Instead of, okay, let's paint a room a day over two weeks and then it'll be great, right? 
what I can tell you is the longer I am on this planet, the bigger of a fan I've become of consistency and those internal metrics that have nothing to do with the awards or the clients or the money or the car, or any of those things, right? But the, did I show up for myself today? Did I do those things that are important to me? Am I doing them more often than not? Nobody's perfect. Nobody gets it every time, right? But I've got my at least goals. I'm going to at least do this this many times. And that consistency, although people say it isn't sexy, I'm going to tell you the results of that are the sexiest things you can find. It's so true. I was on an interview yesterday at our local news, and Kara Mack, who is one of my favorite interviews. I saw that. Congratulations. Looking good on camera, too. You did good. I learned from the best here. A question that she asked, you know, was like, what are some of your top tips for getting unstuck? And a tip that I am super, super passionate about is redefining what consistency means to you. I didn't realize until I got thousands of pieces of feedback, and I would say about 65% of them mentioned consistency and or discipline, which I almost use synonymously, to meaning needing to do it every day. I remember being there too. I remember being like, man, I'm not being super consistent about working out or I'm not being super consistent about building this business. But consistency doesn't mean every day. It means two, three, four times. You look at the definition, it's over time. And so I think that's been such a huge unlock for my community. And they've been talking about it a lot is like, I've reframed my definition of consistency. So I I really appreciate your take on it because you were mentioning it. Like, have I done the things that matter to me today? And have I done them to the quantity that I defined, right? It doesn't mean every day. And well, you heard at least goals. So most of my things I measure in weeks and months, depending on what they are. And I have this at least goal, which is even if life gets crazy, can I do it this many times? And there's a reason for that from a mindset perspective because I'm so goal-oriented. And if I don't hit my metrics, I'm hard on myself. I know that that at least goal is a way I can win. And then it's easy to exceed that. I used to instead give myself these crazy stretch goals and give me a good two weeks. I could beat down on myself to the point that I may have worked out six days a week for two weeks straight, but I'm like, yeah, but I think so-and-so is doing two-a-days. Okay, yeah, well, (laughs) so-and-so blew out their knee, so they're not (laughs) even in the game anymore. (laughs) Right, right. Got to be in that arena. No, I think that's so true. I've gotten so much value from this conversation alone. Aside from the sales training, which I know I'll be attending, how else can the community support you? You know, I would love to connect with people on LinkedIn and Instagram because I really get a pulse for what are the ways that I can help people by people just reaching out and saying, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I want an answer on. And that is hugely valuable to me. And I can return that value to folks by answering that for everyone to see. April, thanks for spending the last 30 minutes with us. I really appreciate it. Uh, All of April links will be below. Thanks, April. It's been my honor. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok at Unstuck.